Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Say Things, episode 213, sponsored by Manscaped. Cue dramatic music, public service announcement. I don't know if they actually wanted us to play music there, but either way, <laughs> I'm saying it out loud. It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's a ball trimmer sent from space. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra. Featuring the Ultra. Lawnmower 5.0, we're talking about a next-generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultrasphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off of free shipping with the code WESAYTHINGS20. High-tech for low places. Manscaped. Very nice. Oh, is this, is this going to be their new slogan? High-tech for low places. <laughs> That's a good question. So if you guys need okay. to trim your balls or if you need to trim your face, they now have actual beard trimmers. If you need chapstick, for some reason they have that too. They have everything that you would ever need to clean yourself and make yourself not smell mm. like a filthy, disgusting animal. You're speaking from experience there? or Yes. So I've been told mm. by some yeah. other people. But yeah, independent parties, yeah. Manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Use the code WESAYTHINGS20. Thank you, thank you. Uh, also, thank you to our beautiful patrons in the In Bruges tier. Thank you to oh, God. partial PCL tear <laughs> equals more time to Dota. No pain, no gain. The Shaz cast. Yatoro does it again. Cinderin. Mr. I love the NBA segment. We need Suns fan and amp cinder in seattle food recommends monkey it's an ampersand it's right. just an and sign yeah it okay. just it fucks up in the the name for some reason monkey man welcomes nouns as our new north american overlords yatoro does it again cinderin t coil yatoro does it again cinderin rupus q ludes is ready to praise the podcast stupid co-pilot d2 bowie lab dota yatoro does it again cinderin Magdev, hats off to Val for organizing TI12. Next up, marketing question mark. Games for falling asleep has seen you in Seattle and Disco Farm D. And the Mega Pope, Zan Xavier, Nate Thicko, Zero One Hamscroats. Yatoro does it again, Cinderin. Shark TM, Janie Dop, Yatoro does it again, Cinderin. Nothing to see here. Ivremont, Ben Broomhead is off to TI. Wooden Aftertaste, Anonymous. And finally, Yatoro does it again, Cinderin. Mr. New. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Good coordination, guys. For your continued support. Not That's bad, not bad. Pretty good. And yes, he did it again. We'll get to that. But of course, first, the NBA segment. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> I know you're excited about this, everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, number one, uh, apparently, this is the only reason we have an NBA segment is because Cinderin let me know that on Reddit, there's a picture of, uh, who was it? It was Toronto, Tokyo. Toronto, Tokyo, Pure, and... 
Duraccio. Um, Duraccio. At a I Lakers believe, game. Uh, some people are also saying Miro was also there. So okay. some of these two European boys. So, oh, I think splurged some, on some hey, basketball. We have a passive member here. Why don't you show up real quick? Go ahead. Go ahead and make an appearance there. I was trying yeah. to walk by quietly. Yeah, there you go. Oh. So this is our third member of the I was podcast. To walk by, not make any scene. <laughs> His name is Jenkins. He's ruined the podcast already. We're gonna have to start all over again, of and course. Yep. That's oh, Jenk. Hello. Hey, buddy. <laughs> I heard you took Shannon to the gym. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Multiple. He never went to the gym with me, and you asked him one time, and he went with you. So I think you should just start being on the podcast instead of me. Clearly, a better friend. Oh, that's great. I'll take you up on that offer. See you later, Cinderin. <laughs> Bye-bye. You probably didn't hear a word you said. Uh, so, where was I? It's the NBA segment. Uh, yeah, so they were at a Lakers game, apparently, and they were, like, close to floor seats, or they were floor seats. I don't know if it was first or mm -hmm. second row. Uh, it's just hilarious to see Dota players at a basketball game. Uh, and those are expensive, by the way, Cinderin. That's, that's a Lakers game. How late seats. would they have been able to get those tickets? Uh, I mean, they would have had to plan it ahead of going to TI. Nah, right? not necessarily, because no? okay. just because it's sold out doesn't mean you're not going to get the ticket. Like a lot of oh, times, that's, they usually that's what sold out means. It means it's reserved for certain people that will give it to certain people. So, like if you are a part of a big org, then perhaps you'll just buy tickets for your players because they're always available, despite being sold out. All right. Okay. Also. Uh, James Harden got traded to the Clippers Center, so now they have a big four. Congratulations Let's go James to them. Harden. Okay. He's my favorite host in esports. <laughs> great. Okay. Uh, your, your turn, Cinder, and your great weekly uh, recommends. No. Yeah, go ahead. I'm not recommending anything this week. Oh, why is that? I have not updated my list. I'm still figuring out what I want to recommend next. I have one game that I want to recommend, but I'm going to do it in pairs of two. I think I know what I'll do, but you know, the thing is, there aren't and I haven't played enough games that I can recommend two games every week without running out, so I think I'll I'll be spacing it out a little bit. Okay. The, uh, I, I think I have the next two that I want to recommend, but after that I would, be, I would be out for now with the conditions that I set for the recommendations, so Let, let's do them next week and then see if I figure out something more. I can't Every wait. Time. Boy, oh boy. Wow. Yeah. I mean, surely your NBA <laughs> segment is. I wonder, I wonder what people... <laughs> I, actually, I actually don't want to know this, if people enjoy the NBA segment on my game wrecks more. I actually don't want to know. <laughs> so just l let's not even go there. Well, let's just say, Sindarin, more people have come up to us in person saying <laughs> they like the NBA segment. I, there was a couple of TI that came over and say, I, I love your game wrecks. I played this or that or these games. So. Okay. That's but I, I do think the ratio was kind of close, which is alarming, of course. I mean, I, I think it's fair to say the NBA segment is not actually that popular. I understand that. It was also an event in NA. Yes. So then the NBA segment will be more, pop more popular. I think my game wrecks are really hitting the sweet spot in <laughs> Europe. Our European viewers are loving those ones. That's good. So. All right. Anyway. All right. Let's go over TI-12 results. So we last left off with the first weekend being done. So now we just talk about what's happened since then. Yep. So we left off with top eight, right? Like, yeah. So I th was it? Yeah, it was top eight. So upper bracket at that time was Team Spirit versus Liquid, LGD versus Azure Ray. So China versus China in that regard. 
LGD 2O Azure Ray, Team Spirit 2 1 Liquid. And then they go to the upper bracket finals where Team Spirit 2 O's LGD and make it to the grand finals. So in the lower bracket, Liquid obviously dropped down and they ended up playing against. Well, actually, no, it's before that. Nouns, right? Nouns were technically mm -hmm. top eight. They surprised a lot of people. They dropped immediately down to the lower bracket and faced off against TSM, which they had won, which we already covered. Then they played Gaming Gladiators and they got stomped. Gaming absolutely them. curb stomped. So just run over. This was a game that I remember you taught or a series you're talking about that you knew exactly what Gaming was going to try to do because they play a lot faster, whereas Nouns mm -hmm. tries to take stuff really late game. They buy four Midas's sometimes, and they tried to do it. They tried to play ultra greedy again against Gaming Gladiators, and it was not close. Thirty-four yeah, minute think, game and then twenty-five minute game. I think it was a bad matchup for Nouns. I mean, obviously, Gaming were also a really good team this tournament, but I, I think just playstyle wise, this was probably the worst possible draw that Nouns could have gotten the lowers. I think any other team would have been a better matchup for them. Uh, but I also think the way they prepped for this series was probably not ideal. Um, Gaiman just got to play some of their best fast stuff and teams later in the bracket started banning them out better than I think Nouns did so they got a bit more of a challenge but um, yeah, not the case this one. Then we had Betboom versus Virtus Pro which was the second game in this series was insanely long uh, but Betboom did end up 2-0-ing they beat Virtus Pro in the second game in almost 90 minutes. That was the I believe the second longest game of the tournament, including all stages of the groups and everything, um, if I'm not mistaken. It might even have been the longest. But yeah, that was a, a marathon. Um, Betboom had a couple of games this tournament where they broke records on most health on a hero ever with their undying position <laughs> five, which was kind of funny to see. Toronto, yeah. Tokyo was like 12 or 14k health in one of their games. I don't know if I've ever seen that before, even in pubs. He had, at um, the end of the game, he had Giants Ring, and he was just on top of their Ancient, desperately trying to kill that fucking building. That uh, was incredible. It was something. Um, okay, so Gaming move on. They face Team Liquid that dropped down after losing to Spirit, and Gaming 2-1 Team Liquid. They recover from a 0-1 start, and win two back-to-back. -back. And Azure Ray takes down Betboom 2-1. So that means the top four of the tournament are set. Spirit, LGD, Gaiman, and Azure. Azure then do announce cosplay in the lower bracket semis and get absolutely curb stomped by Gaiman. Harder than Nouns did in terms of game time. We were casting this series and I think this is the shortest day I've ever had at TI. We that got paid a, a lot for... That was a total 45 minutes. 45 minutes of casting total. Yeah. So on one um, hand, it was sad that we didn't get to cast that much, but I will say game two was one of the most memorable casts I've ever had. It was only 23 minutes, but that was the, oh for people that God. haven't seen it, you need to look up the clip because the beginning of the game, when the, the coach typically comes out and gets interviewed, which in this case, it was Azure Ray's Lan M being interviewed, uh, and they have to have a translator. So there's a lot of back and forth. He basically is saying, while the game is just starting, that he doesn't understand why uh, Gaiman picked Huskar, basically insinuating that he thinks they're being cocky because it's not a very good pick. As he's saying that, Gaiman get a four-man inner fire with Huskar. They start the game 4-0, up 1,000 gold, before the horn even starts. Uh, 
And I still, for some reason, have not seen a fucking montage with Curb and Your Enthusiasm. Bum, bum, bum. Da, na, 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 Right? Like, that needs to, that needs to be a video. Oh. But, th- yeah, that was a, <laughs> it was hilarious, but it's unfortunate that Azure Ray goes out in such a horrific fashion, you know? Um, that was definitely one of the best clips of the tournament. Uh, it would have been even cooler if Azure could somehow have recovered and made it a competitive game after that start. Like, the clip in itself is good enough, but they just got absolutely rolled. They fell into the same trap that Nouns did, essentially. Uh, Game and Gladiators played two tempo lineups, and Azure couldn't hold their ground at all. They got rolled in lanes and just got crushed after that. So that was the end of their journey. Uh, so Game and Gladiators advanced to top three, and they now face LGD, who put up a lot better fight than Azure did. I think LGD had a better understanding of what gaming were trying to do uh, and came in with a different approach. Um, pretty long game one, 50 minutes, game and still inch out a win. And then in game two, LGD actually go a little bit the greedy route again, but they do ban more of Gaiman's correct heroes, I would say, for that style. Uh, but they still kind of got... I mean, it was a slower loss with 40 minutes, but they never really stood a chance after minute 15 in that one, it felt like. So Gaiman just... Crushed the lower bracket. They were on track to be the first team ever to win the tournament from round one lowers. That has never happened before. Well, I, if I'm not mistaken, they're the first team to get to finals. Uh, I think way. that's correct. We've right. had teams drop down in round one of uppers. I think Liquid's run at TI7 started with a lower bracket after round one of uppers. And they DC went on to win the well. whole tournament. DC was the same at TI6. Uh, DC got second, Liquid won, but Where neither did... team started in lowers. Oh, yeah. C deck was actually upper bracket. They lost upper yeah. bracket finals, I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, think no, they, they won upper bracket finals, I think. Yeah, they won upper bracket finals, and then they. I think they came they... in as the favorites in a way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, grand finals. The stage is set for Spirit versus Game and Gladiators. Um, a matchup that I think is very fitting for how the year had been, to be honest. I personally yeah. was hoping we would have a Chinese team in the finals because I think it's good for the game. And uh, I think it would have been more interesting just because, again, these two teams have been to so many finals this year. But there's a reason they have. They're the two best teams. Now, this finals, though, was pretty one-sided, honestly. A lot more than I think people would have expected. Spirit kind of just completely had Game and Gladiator's number and just kind of crushed them in the first two games. The third game was looking great for Gaiman. They had like a huge chance to win. They were very far ahead and they had Spectre, but then they made one mistake pushing. They lost a lot of their lead and Spirit did what they've done in a lot of games this tournament, which is even with a bad start, you're never safe against this team. They're just that good at playing late game. Um, And it wasn't even that late game. It was like 30 minutes in or whatever. They're just amazing. I think completely deserving winners of the tournament. They lost two games. The entire tournament. They was, lost one game round one uppers and one game round two uppers. That's it. They won everything else. And they ended the tournament, I think, 19-2, and two, which I think is the the second highest win rate ever at TI. Um, I thought it was first. Behind Navi at TI1. But I don't know if you want to count that one. Because mm-hmm. Navi, I think Navi went... Let me see. Did they go 10-1? and one Or something? I think... I, I, but yeah, uh, and the second, the one behind that one, the reason I don't really want to count TI1 is that the amount of games is a lot lower, right? Yeah. They, won, they went 10 and 1. Alliance at TI3 had, among like these long tournaments, had the record with, I think it was 23 and 3 or 22 and 3, one or the other. 
Uh, so that was like 85% win rate or 80, whatever, super high. And Spirit actually beat that record this year. Um, yeah, they looked pretty unstoppable. fucking crazy run. They were just the best team. Um, so we have more two time TI winners. Laurel is not one of those people, but he did get to hold the trophy first, which I thought you could see them kind of as they won. Um, Aposhka rounded everybody up and I assume told them, let him hold the trophy. That was fun. That was really cool. That was yeah. a very nice touch. Maposhka They're just a very seems like, likable team. They are. Maposhka seems like right. a real G, honestly. It seems like a really nice guy. So it's, it's hard also to like when, if him. you even if you think about like other teams and you know the general press they get from like let's say pub games or interviews or whatnot, it, it just doesn't really feel like Spirit has any controversy, right? Like people just love their players. They're young. They're energetic. They're happy. They're even we had them. We had them on the late game after, right? Where uh, in the post game, post game show, we were on for like fifteen or twenty minutes, shooting the shit with Jenkins and Pyrian, and then they brought on Team Spirit. And that interview, I feel like, was very telling of how that team works as a dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. And that was while speaking a foreign language, so they obviously could not perform their, you know, identities fully. That's how it is when you speak in a second language, right? You're a little bit limited in how you can express yourself, but. Uh, all five players and silent just seemed like a really good bunch. Um, so, and on top of all of that, they probably also made the most and the best content out of any team in the tournament, right? Like they're making these like massive vlogs. They're putting a lot of effort into uh, profiling their team, and they're getting a lot of view, uh, views on their content as well. So, they're really just—they seem like a bunch of dudes that are really good at Dota, that know, uh, that have a good content team behind them, and an org that understands the value of making content with the players. And obviously those things go hand in hand, right? If you're the best team in the world, people will watch your content. Did more. you That's see their obvious. Nirvana video? Their Nirvana content video? I did, video? yeah. That was yeah. extremely good. Yeah. Very it, good. They, they're definitely, like, what's the way to put this? They're really, they're really trying to turn these players into more than just players, right? They're, like, trying to turn them into brands and stars, essentially. Mm -hmm. And they have the right age for it. All of these players have a lot of years ahead of them. I guess Miposhka is the oldest, and he's... How old is he? Is he, like... I want to say he's, like, mid-20s. God. He's probably 28, let's say. He's 25. Damn it. Yeah, I could... I, I remember seeing his age on the broadcast, and I was like, what? Because, to so me, young? this guy has been around for a very long time. He yeah. just started playing pro really early. Toronto, Tokyo is older than him. Really? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Toronto, Tokyo is 26. What? It's so surprising to me. I thought Miposhka was easily the oldest player that ever played on that team with their old roster, but no. Wow. Okay. Uh, and obviously their superstar that is being getting tons of praise from all over is Yotoro, who is the carry of the team and is really making a huge name for himself. And he's 20. So a lot of good years left in these players. And if they keep playing like this, I guess the limiting factor at this point is motivation, right? Like, yeah. 100%. You've won TI twice. We've seen other players do that and then kind of, I wouldn't say fade into obscurity. I think a lot of the players that won TI twice were also older. So maybe it was more natural for them to think about, you know, other things. And, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, these players are very, very young. So, so who do you think the team of the year is? Because I think it, I don't know. I want to say it's objective truth. I think it's clearly mm. game and gladiator still. Do you think that that is. Can people argue against that? They can. People put a lot of stock in TI, as they should. 
-hmm. But like, I like to look at the year as a full continuum from start to finish and not just be like, okay, who was best in the end, right? Uh, Spirit won two tournaments. They won TI and they won Riyadh. So they won the two biggest ones. The two biggest ones, yeah. Which is obviously great for them. Um, But like just talking consistency, I think Game & Gladiators was the best team of the year because they were good all the way through. They won three majors. They got... Uh, second places, or they got second place here at TI. I think Gaiman's worst tournament was a fourth place, right? That was literally their worst performance all year was one fourth place at Riyadh. Everything else, they, they made get the finals fourth? or I won. Thought, right? I thought they got top six. Is, is that wrong? Did they get sixth? Am I wrong? I, I could be wrong, actually. Let me Let see. Me they got fourth. Okay. So I'm just looking through the year here. The first tournament on log here is Lima Major. So first at Lima, first Dream League set 19, First Ma- Berlin Major, first Dream League 20, first Bali Major, fourth Riyadh Masters, first Betboom Dacha, and then second at TI. So they literally, they won six tournaments, got one fourth place and one second place. That was their year. That's fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, for comparison this year, Team Spirit only has three first place finishes, which are <laughs> Riyadh Masters, Dream League 21, and TI. Um and they, they didn't made, have any other podium. Finishes. They made more money than everybody else because of Riyadh Masters. Yeah, uh, they, which is unfortunate for Game and Gladiators, but yeah, I, I'm sure I think, I'm sure Game and are going to be just okay. Yeah, I think based on criteria, it can always change. I think Game and Gladiators clearly the best team of the year, but Spirit they did win the two biggest tournaments, which is pr- very clutch. It's crazy to look at their achievements this year, and they have no other top three finishes in premier tournaments, right? Mm-hmm. Not even top four, I think. Spirit, that is. Yeah, they're just waiting they just for... Peaked uh, at the, they peaked at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. That's literally what this is. Just perfect timing of getting really good when it matters the most. And, you know, that's championship stuff. So, Yep. Great team. Uh, curious to see what the next year holds, obviously. I guess we could just talk briefly about that before we go into shuffle. Uh, obviously, now with the reassignment of this, the circuit, so to speak, we will not have DPC now. So what we've been used to from the last couple of years is we would have a short break after TI, and then we would go into the usual DPC circuit again. Not the case now. So we're going to have third-party tournaments. We'll see how many there are. We'll see how big they are. We'll see how the formats are going to work with invites and qualifications. We'll see how it all pans out in terms of TI because Valve haven't announced <clears throat> what credentials they're going to invite teams based on. Mm. Um, DPC was very transparent with that, which was great. Um, and, <clears throat> excuse me, it also begs the question what the representation from the regions is going to be. Because that was kind of a bit of a talk about this tournament was China only had two teams and they both got top four. And then you had South America with more representatives. I think they had four representatives and they didn't get a single top eight. So... You know, it's like, it's one of those things where it's very easy to be contrarian or be like, ha, told you so, SA sucks, or China great, or whatever. But looking over the entire year, China had been disappointing for the whole year. Yeah. And now at TI, they got two good placements, which was great to see, but it was not indicative of the region's overall power level. So it's always going to be hard to invite the right teams based on that merit because it changes throughout the year, right? Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. 
Find Reese's now at a store near you. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. All right, what about your experience at TI this year? Things you liked, things you didn't, overall experience? Um, So I think for the most part, I would say from a production standpoint, this was the smoothest TI we've ever had. Um, yep. barring none I want to say um, just in terms of like smoothness of production technical issues quality I think this was really really well done and I think it's clear that Valve have more control and more of a feeling with everything and are more in touch with it when it's in Seattle I think it was there's a pretty big difference in quality between this and, and Singapore um and on top of that, I really loved what they did with both venues. I think the aesthetic of this TI was fucking beautiful. Uh, oh. what, I don't know how well it came out on stream for, um, for Seattle Convention Center for the playoffs part, but it was a really nice throwback to TI1. It was like, a, I, love the, I love the atmosphere in there. I love the setup. I love that it was a nod to the origin of the tournament. Um, the overall design of everything. It was nice. Um, so definitely for me a thumbs up in that regard. Aside from that, game quality I think was pretty high. I think the teams played played well. Uh, I think fan interaction was great as always, uh, both for us and for the teams. And yeah, I don't really, I don't know. It was just nice, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Good experience. Yeah, I think overall my experience was very good as well. I mean, you know me. I can always complain about something, Sindarin. Uh, mm-hmm. But I agree. The theme of the TI was by far the best. Uh, the games overall, very good quality. I know a lot of people weren't too... Well, I shouldn't say a lot of people. There were a segment of people that were not fans of the meta. Mm-hmm. I love the meta because it's you late game Dota. So, so yeah chaotic shit that's the most fun to cast i think uh i think the most important thing is that things just aren't like fully figured out anyway so that there is that chaotic mm-hmm. nature because anytime like in years in the in years past sometimes it gets to a point where things are just very figured out and you can just all right they're going to do this 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 and then they're going to end yeah. and now you know yeah there, there was issues with going high ground sometimes uh which you know, that can be frustrating to play or to watch sometimes, but overall, I think it was a good experience uh, from a perspective. I mean, it was pretty clear as well that the teams were not on the same page about what was the style. Yeah, right? gaming like, was totally different. were playing fast games. Team Spirit were prioritizing Tormentor more than any other team. You know, if there's like just an objectively best way to play, every team will do it, right? So mm-hmm. I definitely think some nuances were very different in how the teams played, um, which is good. Um, that said, though, the, the overall trend was clear, right? That there was a, a feeling of difficulty going high ground. But, like, imagine Gaiman's games if high grounding was easier. Like, they won some of their games in 20 minutes taking racks, right? 
That's uh, true. If pushing was easier, they could have won in 15, you know? So it's like, it's a difficult balance to strike. And overall, it's just a matter of if you're a team that is that good at laning and that good at playing timings, the game isn't punishing you for wanting to go high ground if you're good enough. And mm. that is what's important is that there is that diversity in strategies that it isn't just, oh, well, too bad. You can never high ground until minute 50, no matter what you pick and how good you are. Uh, clearly not the case. So I thought it was pretty healthy overall and that most teams were just adopting a slower play style and that really allowed game to shine when they were playing fast. And LGD in some games too were kind of crushing it um, pretty quickly. So... Yeah, so overall, game quality I thought was good. I mean, the final day was a bit of a letdown, I guess, because it was a 2-0, then a 3-0. Yeah, so that's it's probably the probably the shortest day of any TI with this Maybe TI format. 4. That was a push meta, but it wasn't yeah. it wasn't five games. I can guarantee you that. The finals at least was 3-1, right? Yeah. But it's yeah. probably still longer. Uh, and there was probably, I mean, there's only like a couple content pieces, I guess. I mean, my main complaint is just very small stuff and it says mm -hmm. a caster. So most people wouldn't even notice. I thought like the casting desk was the worst of any event I've been to all year. And I complained <laughs> to you and production about it, but nothing ever got fixed for some reason. Like the middle monitor was just really dirty. There was a glare on it. I could barely see it. Usually I'm casting off a big TV. It was really far away. They never fixed anything. So I had a hard time actually casting for the first couple of days, but then you got used to it over time. And of course, like the sickness, uh, my, <laughs> they never brought me a trash. I asked for a trash can as well. Like, I don't know. Anyway, I like fucking just, my nose is dripping throughout the entire cast. I don't know how obvious it was that I was sick, but I'd have to hold mute. I'd sometimes tell you to keep talking, which you do anyway, mm -hmm. just dripping nonstop. God, that was that was hard, but we got it done. And I think the main complaint, it's it's been like this the last couple of years now, and I think it's probably gonna continue to be this way, which, you know, it is what it is. I obviously really like that new people uh get to cast like the group stage and whatnot, but I, the the downside for me, and I don't know if you feel the same way, is I like the journey. Okay, let me yeah. just be upfront. We get paid the same that we did before when we cast groups and mm -hmm. playoffs and everything. We got paid the same for casting literally five days of Dota or six days or whatever it is. So it's not about payment. I miss the journey of casting group stage, getting crazy games, like just seeing these teams progress and then building rapport with you. I know obviously we've cast together a bunch of times. Like, I mean... I still the, come in a bit cold on day one. I feel yeah. like it's... It's like, noticeable for us, maybe not so much for others. I don't like, know. We we're just going in like very raw, and I just mm -hmm. prefer to have like, like Riyadh. I know you weren't there, but like we just built up chemistry as we were going. We created like for me at least, creating memes early in the term and then reusing mm -hmm. them later. I think it's fucking hilarious. It creates kind of like this weird meme storyline in a way. Right. So it's just that kind of stuff is just missing, and then plus you get all these break days, which I understand why they're doing it, and I think it's for the better of the tournament that they keep doing that. But from a caster perspective, it makes it worse mm -hmm. for me, I guess. Right. Uh, which, you know, yeah, it's, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I do think the current setup and giving more casters a time to prove themselves and to shine and to cast really important and big games of the year, I think is a good trade off, right? Like it's, 
at the end of the day, we got to look at it like if we go back to the quote unquote previous system, there would just be less opportunities for casters to cast these profile games, right? So mm. I think I think it's probably it is a trade off because I agree. I think if we were casting if we were casting groups as well, I think our playoff casting would probably be a bit better uh, from being warmed up and from building storylines. But you know, like you said, it, it's it, it's it's a trade that I think is worth it. So I'm I'm happy for other casters to to get the opportunity to cast TI, um, and it's always been a thing. Even when we had the old system, right? The reason that when we were casting groups in the past that it also worked was that there were way more games, right? Like at previous TIs, we would have 10, 12 people casting group stage because we had four games simultaneously for like four days in Seattle uh, at like TI four, five, six, mm. uh, seven. Um, so at that tournament or in that format, we were still having a lot of different casters uh, cover games. So, But now with the new format, you won't have that amount of content right so kind of have to split it up and yeah uh i think now that you reminded me of it i think my biggest i don't know if i would call it complaint but my biggest criticism is i would love to have more content i think this year they were very it was very skimmed down in terms of like uh secondary content pieces they had player interviews and they had obviously the exit and winners interviews and then there was this one content piece with Lena and Crystal Maiden that feel, felt like it was a little bit just shoehorned in there. Like it was something that they had pre-recorded and wanted to show, but it was like it was like a one-off, right? Uh, and then the hero reveal. But for previous TIs, we've had you know more like funny clips with players doing weird stuff with slacks, or um, maybe some more in-depth player profiles or team profiles that. You remember these where they would fly out to wherever a player lived and then, you know, meet their family, talk about gaming. Mm. These kind of, like, in-depth things are kind of lost. Uh, and I don't know why they're cut, if it's because the people that were doing the work and were passionate about it aren't working on this right now, or if it's a deliberate choice to that they feel like it isn't worth the effort for the amount of eyes are on it and the feedback it gets. But I personally really enjoy having pieces like that as part of the broadcast. Um, but if that's the biggest criticism I have, then it's a pretty good TI, right? Mm -hmm. You got to say. I guess just I would have liked more content. That's it. Um, yeah, that was great. Oh, another. I mean, this is kind of an internal thing, but if I'm complaining about small things, I didn't like the way mm -hmm. they had food set up. So oh, the way yeah. that we've done it in the past is, and maybe this just saves money. I don't know. You like whatever hotel the players and casters are in, there's just breakfast lunch and dinner in a room mm -hmm. and you go get it during yeah. certain times of the day uh this time everybody got 80 dollars worth of uber eats per day so you yeah. have to go pick it up yourself and then you just either eat it in your room or whatever uh, it's one of these things that are pros and cons as well right because yeah the catering was nice because you would just go down and it would be ready there and you didn't have to, you know, figure out what to do and organize it and have someone come or whatever. The good, the upside to this system is that you get the food that you want on the day and you can get it any time. So I think, again, that's a trade-off where what is more important to you. I think, if I were to guess, I think a lot of people liked the way it was run this year because they got the food that they wanted any given day. You you know, decided for yourself, what do I feel like today? And mm. if you were busy casting during catering, you didn't miss it, right? Like then you mm. could just get food when you were back or 
if you as a team were playing at a specific hour, you know, the whole whatever. So I think the I downside know, I, for me was that, first of all, Seattle, the food's really expensive. So $80 actually isn't even enough because of the delivery charges. and all that That's going to sound ridiculous to people at home that are listening to this. And like we're ordering fucking champagne. Like one meal was about <laughs> probably on average about $50. Roughly, ordering takeaway. Right? It is the most expensive takeaway I think I've seen in my entire life. Yeah, that was absurd. actually crazy. Because you go to the menu and one thing is the pricing, right? You see on the menu, you're like, okay, you know, this is like pretty expensive. It's like Danish tier. But then you add on top tax, you add on top delivery and other fees. So then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this meal that I ordered that looked like it was 20 bucks actually checks out to 35. Yeah. So it very quickly ramps up quite high. But the, the upside is sometimes people would eat like in the arena and they'd have $80 just available for that day because it gets reset. So they just buy $80 with a Krispy Kreme which I really enjoyed, as you, we can attest to on the podcast from last week. So that was great. But I mean, I think, it was kind of wholesome that people were like using their budgets to you know, <laughs> get each other food. And yeah. I helped you out a bit because you were sick or got some meds for you. Yes, from thank you. Fruit as well, et cetera. I think so the thing that, that I didn't I realize I didn't that I would, I didn't realize I would care about this as much, but it, for me, it loses the communal uh, that aspect is true. of the event. That so is very true. Most of the time in these other events, like TI is a very memorable event. It's lunchtime or dinner time or whatever. Like you just message the group, hey, anybody want to go eat? You go eat with your fellow peers or you go mingle with pro players or whatever. Like it's just a nice, you know, everybody's that hanging out. It's the same community. And everybody's just fucking off and doing their own thing, you know? That's the biggest loss. I would agree with that is there was something about the vibe of lunch at previous <clears throat> TIs that the players would just come in and just watch other teams playing during lunch and then yelling and screaming at cool plays and talking strategy and talking to talent or you know and us talking to each other that is very true like that aspect of it is gone a bit there was there was a bit of it at breakfast but not like it, i didn't not even i did not attend breakfast once yeah, not i went once. two or three times to breakfast it was yeah it People were definitely sitting around tables and having conversations and whatnot, but it's not the same vibe as when there's like hype games on where people are going to like 60 minutes and the players are going crazy over high level plays, right? So um, that is that is true. That is definitely for me. That is actually the biggest loss in this. Is the is that uh, aside from that, I really didn't mind the system. I think it it turns out fine and it gives freedom to people to you know schedule their day the way they like. So. So that is yep. that was TI12 in our experience overall. Uh, I would agree that like production was immaculate, had basically no issues, just minor stuff here and there. But uh, TI as a whole, I think was quite good. Uh, and I think it's just as a quick side note, it's worth giving Valve credit for this because a lot of people were very worried about downscaling. Like, oh, the prize pool is smaller. Valve don't care about TI. It's going to be a bad show. This was a really good show. There's, there was no correlation, in my opinion, between the prize pool and how much heart went into the, uh, the mm. quality of the tournament, right? Like, That's true. I, I'm definitely hopeful for the next TI as well that this quality is going to be maintained. Now, the big question is where TI 13 is going to be. If that's going to be Seattle or if it's going to be Europe or if it's going to be maybe Southeast Asia. I mean, obviously, Europe kind of got robbed of its TI, uh, that was meant to be in Stockholm, and then it, COVID happened, then we got it in Romania, but no crowd. So 
for how big a player base and how many of the pros are in Europe, it still kind of deserves it, I would say, to have it at least Fuck once off. aside from CI1. Keep it in Seattle. But, but Seattle is great. And if this is the quality we're getting, I mean, to me, Seattle has always been TI, right? Like that's been the city for it. So mm. I'm not going to complain. I loved going back. I love this place. I love the arenas that they did. You want it to be in um, Copenhagen so bad. But if TI is to be in Europe once, I think it would be really cool to have it in Scandinavia. Obviously biased for location reasons, but I also think like just the, I was really excited to have it in Stockholm out of personal bias primarily not really for myself but for my friends right like they were excited about going seeing what i do firsthand for ti um susie would have gone and then why don't know, we get a petition kind of to have it in bruges hmm? <laughs> Kill surely they have an stone. arena <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure i saw arena in that movie you know they can yeah. they can work it out sounds sounds good to me um but yeah, I would be happy to have TI either in Europe or in Seattle next year. Uh, both would be very great for me. So, All right, good stuff. Good stuff, Valve. <clears throat> Thumbs up from here. Yep, good job. Event. All right, let's talk about the shuffling that is going on. So there's a lot of rumors, which we won't really talk about because there's just they're all over the place. So let's talk about the stuff that is confirmed. So EG uh, are dropping their roster is the way that I'm reading it. Yeah. And this is from the EG manager, so this is basically confirmed, right? Yeah, so they're looking for an org, and as far as I can tell, uh, the team is going to stay together, but who knows if that's actually going to be the case. The wording in this sounds like it's questionable whether EG do Dota at all in 2024. Right. Because um, they're dropping a lot words, of Managers obviously, stuff. who knows, but... Yeah, EG haven't exactly had things run very well for them the last couple of years. Let's put it that way. So... We'll see what they do with Dota. It's a shame if the brand name is gone, but obviously a lot of the connection that people had with EG was also kind of lost over the years. Mm. Um, it went from being the NA team to being an amazing South American roster, but it didn't really feel like the connection with the brand was there, if that makes sense. Mm. It, it wasn't... What EG really built over a decade or more was kind of thrown out well they definitely saved, and everything they saved money for one year so they did get that yeah. done zai as he mentioned in his exit interview i think it was <clears throat> is on an indefinite break so it's not technically a retirement but yeah. it sounds kind of like a retirement uh and the rumor which this one has not been confirmed is that he will be replaced by 33 from tundra mm -hmm. but Remains to be seen. Yeah, the Zai break is confirmed. Um, and let's mainly focus on confirmed stuff because there are so many rumors. Like the shuffle is what I'll say for sure is the shuffle is going to be huge this year because there's so many teams that want to make changes. There aren't the DPC shackles anymore in the same regard. This might be the so biggest shuffle of all time. I would not it be might surprised. Be. Um, I, I'm not saying this based on confirmed insider knowledge. It's just it's pretty clear the vibe that you're getting right now is that a lot of things are changing. So mm. that's always really exciting. I hope the teams turn out good, obviously, and that the quality remains. But yeah, the, the confirmed ones are EG are out as an org. Zai's on indefinite break. Then we have Toby. Quest have said goodbye to him. Um, so they will be replacing. I'm assuming, based on the way they announced this, that the other four would stay together and stay with PSG Quest. So probably just going to replace that one player. And then finally, uh, Boom Esports 
I don't know if they've announced the future. I think they've they've announced a Q&A session about the future involvement in Dota. Uh, but Xnova tweeted looking for team. So he is at least out of boom. Whether boom is out of boom, I don't know. Um, but yeah, at least that player. And he's obviously a, an elite caliber player, right? Xnova has played... By the way... Many top tier tournaments. It, going back to Quest, very high. it would be funny if Amar ends up being on yeah. their team in the end. Uh, I think Amar for. in the current meta has, probably has a lot of really good offers and he can kind of pick and choose depending on his contract with Nygma, right? Mm -hmm. um, you would think he's a very attractive player right now. Super high rated player, young, uh, plays a greedy offlane style and turns into a true core, which is what a lot of offlaners do nowadays. So I think that the way the games run right now. He's very attractive. Mm -hmm. uh, as long as he's a good teammate too. Like, I can't speak to that. I don't know the dynamic in OG or whatnot. You've, we've seen some of their behind the scenes with him uh, seemingly being a bit of a leader character. So you also need to want to sign up for that, right? For your team, if that's what you need. But to many teams, that's just going to be an asset that he's a, a loud, opinionated voice, right? Yep. About Agreed. how things are. So. Okay. Okay. Let's move that's on. Confirm shuffle for now. Let's move on to the new hero reveal, which we talked a bit about on the late show. Yep. Uh, Ringmaster. Wow. So I actually yep. forgot to watch the video again. I mean, I've watched it a couple times before, but I forgot mm -hmm. to refresh myself. Um, the rumor was, not the rumor, but for some reason, a lot of people thought this would end up being Puppet Master mm -hmm. from Heroes of New Earth. Uh, I think... That is very unlikely that that's the case, although it would be cool. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that's the case. And uh, the, the video itself, the main reason I say this is because the video itself, none of the skills that are being teased even look remotely like what Puppet Master's mm -hmm. skill set would have anyway. But the video itself was really cool. Essentially is like a circus, well, it's a ringmaster, so circus related mm -hmm. where this robot type guy traps axe in his jack-in-the-box or whatever that thing is and that's kind of all you see i know there's going to be a ton of easter eggs that we're going to miss initially until we see the skill sets yeah. but what, what did you think of the the reveal overall i mean i think in terms of like hero reveal video quite a lot of effort was put into this one uh the video itself i think it was pretty high quality um the hero compared to other hero reveal videos i feel like shows less of what the hero is going to be like and i yeah. don't know if that's by design because they don't fully know yet that would be bad um, by the way there's no way they the, don't know there's no way the thing the thing i imagine based on this is that the whole like so what he does is that axe hits the it, it's like the classic carnival game right where you need to punch something really hard and get a high score or whatever and he hits his target with his axe, it gets stuck, and then the ringmaster pulls him into kind of like a, a big coffin, almost. He like opens the door to this sarcophagus coffin kind of thing and, and grabs axe with some arms, uh, which is very reminiscent of a type of enemy that's actually in Elden Ring and in Dark Souls. If you've played those games, you'll understand mm. what I mean. Um, and we don't know what happens to axe after, but I'm assuming it's the old of the hero. It's to some sort of consumer hero lock them into a t essentially what's like a tombstone of undying right you're like and then I, whatever happens right they take damage they get stunned something maybe you unlock one of their abilities as ringmaster that you can use whatever it is um mm. imagination is the limit there 
But overall, the video looked really cool. It says that the Hero's coming out 2024, so they're keeping their options very open with when they release it. It could technically be in a year. Um, <laughs> no idea what time of 2024 Let's it will be. Um, Maybe the... Yeah, do you it, think, it what do you think great. the chances are that that skill is called Grab Enemy? <laughs> very low, but it would be hilarious. That would be a... That would be great. That would be really funny. Yeah, it, it um, seems like he had some sort of a trap. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah. Which, it could obviously just be like a single target spell where you trap somebody, but it could be like, you know, like an old techie's mind stasis trap type thing, except more involved. Mm -hmm. uh, but I feel like they've been kind of straying away from that type. I mean, obviously they got rid of the old techies entirely, so I would... I think it doesn't make for fun gameplay traps like that or not yeah i mean arc warden another one it's not exactly a trap but his stupid ghost thing he's like nobody wants to play against that stupid hero yeah but yeah i think it's a lot of it's just so vague but it's exciting to see i think the the hero's face which is all that's really revealed of it looks cool mm -hmm. i talked to slacks briefly which i'm sure he's gonna have a lorgasm out at any point uh talking about like special like little things on the hero that he identifies like he already recognized a couple things from artifact as always because artifact for some reason has mm. the most lore out of <laughs> any of the dota games yeah. uh but yeah i think i think it's it's obviously exciting and okay l let's take predictions so, by the way we didn't talk about predictions for ti that's that's okay i we forgot I'll, to I'll write it honest. down i'll be honest we we did the predictions pre-tournament and we did them in the compendium and then they we we just scrolled over in the compendium right and did them and then that got changed so that was kind of lost for us and then we did the playoffs predictions where we each picked our top three i don't know if you want to go back and go over it i what we what we predicted and who was right or wrong i'm not dodging away from this because you it won. Would be, i genuinely don't know it would be very <laughs> fitting for us to do it a week later honestly <laughs> Save something um, for next week. <laughs> anyway, I anyway, wanted to... Predictions for Ringmaster. Yeah, predictions on what type of a hero it's going to be. Hmm. Is it... Melee Int? We don't have many of those. Melee? Ooh. How many Melee Int heroes do we have? Darkseer? Is that the only one? Of a Melee Void Spirit. Int? No, Void Spirit is universal now. Uh, Ogre Strength now. Oh yeah, Darks Darkseer isn't in either. He's also universal. We don't have any, do we? Oh. Mm -hmm. I guess not. Don't think so. Okay, that's gonna be my bold prediction. Meliant. Okay, what role? This one's harder uh, to choose because I mean, they always come out and like nobody knows the role and you right. think it's like one role and then two weeks later it's a different one. I think they've put a lot of emphasis, at least on some hero releases, of making them at least somewhat flexible. Uh, the later ones. I'm gonna say it will be an offlaner. Okay. Alright, I, I will go with... I also think it's int, but I'm gonna go ranged. Okay. Okay, very stupid question. Muerta is int, right? Yes, she's ranged int. So that would be weird to have two in a row, now that I think about it. Okay, let me change. I don't know. I mean, they've they've changed. So if they want to keep the ratio between the attributes, right, there's going to have to be one that there's one more of because there's the same amount of strength, agi, and, and universals, right? So 
you're going to offset the balance. Well, no matter I'm not talking about that. Balance. I'm talking about having two heroes in a row be the same attribute. I think that's unlikely, actually. So I'm going to say no to that. What came first, Muerto or Universal? Or was that same patch? I think Muerta came first. Yeah, because in that case, you've kind of revamped the whole system after she came out, right? So then it's like, again, does it even I'm not matter talking about that. It, I think it does matter. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to say ranged Agi. Okay. But it will not be a carry. Looks kind of weird for an Agi hero, doesn't it? It's, it's a bit of a YOLO. And I'm going to okay. say position four. Okay. But I'd love, you know. If it's flexible, then even better. I guess uh, a little bit of a... they Valve like putting in Easter eggs about the new hero that comes out way early, right? We've seen that with like artworks from previous hero releases or whatnot. For Ringmaster, was there anything teasing this hero except the circus ticket on the table of Muerta's announcement? I think that was where it was, right? There was like this ticket in the Muerta event. Oh, oh was that something else? I don't you remember, remember what I'm talking about, right? No. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's Easter eggs. I remember people with theory crafting based on that ticket, they were like, okay, what is this? Is this some sort of a circus thing or whatever? Um, I think it was from the Muerta one. So anyway, they teased that. But I think that's literally the only kind of pointer that was for this one. I think there's another Easter egg. There's a bottle of water at some point, uh, which I think indicates that there's going to be a Morphling remodel. Oh. By the time... Uh, very the next hero comes out, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so that's Ringmaster. Obviously, don't know a whole lot about him yet, but seems cool. And I think we'll just finish up with this. Uh, keep it a kind of a short episode today. Okay. Uh, so Jenkins is at my house right now, as you guys saw. And the reason for that is because we are working on a Kickstarter for our standalone version of Ability Arena, which I'll say we're going to try to come out with in a couple weeks, the Kickstarter, but it's possible it gets delayed. Uh, essentially, what's it's still very early development, so it's not like it's going to have a ton of in-game footage. It will have a little bit, but uh, for people that have been following you know, a little bit of what we've been doing uh, with Ability Arena and whatnot, we'll probably have some... Uh, some announcements in regards to original Ability Arena as well, uh, hoping in the next week. But the Kickstarter is coming soon, and that is what we're working on full-time right now. So I'm excited for you. I hope it turns out good. Yeah, it's going to be interesting cool. to see reaction because, of course, it's outside of Dota. We can't use any mm -hmm. Dota assets. Everything is completely custom-made from scratch. The theme is totally different than Dota. Uh, but I think there's certain aspects of it, and we learned a lot from Ability Arena. I think there's certain aspects of it that people are really going to like, and they're going to see, uh, like once they see it in action, like, oh, Sunsfan and Jenkins made this. Yeah, that makes sense now. <laughs> we do like do to you do have, some crazy uh, shit. Do you have anything you can share about where you're planning to put the game, or is that not decided yet, like platforms? Or yeah, so, yeah, that's, so it's probably a year and a half away from being finished. That's like mm -hmm. actual launch. So we're going to have like a beta before that, which is going to be part of the Kickstarter, and then an alpha even before that. Um, for people, I'm sure, are asking what engine we're using. We're using Unity because, and the main reason for that is the language that it uses, uh, all of our team is very proficient with. 
So we'd have to like, if we wanted to use Unreal, for example, we'd have to find totally different people, which we didn't really want to do. Plus, uh, we wanted to have this be a PC game and a mobile game, uh, which Unity okay. is very good at yeah. uh, making Unity's games for mobile. for mobile. But I think the yep. thing that uh, we're going to make very clear is that this is a PC game that works on mobile. It's not a mobile mm -hmm. game. And I think that's really important because I don't play mobile games. The monetization and all the stuff that comes along with it is totally different than like a PC game would be. Mm -hmm. And I don't want it to be a mobile game. I want it to be a PC game that you can play on mobile. So that's, yeah. And it's going to be free to play. That's obviously the most important thing. So yeah, stay tuned for that. I have a lot more info. Um, we're really excited. Again, very early development. So don't expect to, I mean, we'll have some stuff to show, of course, but yeah. I think it's going to be cool down the line with this to hear like your experience with doing game dev, right? Because you've talked a little bit here and there about ability arena and whatnot, but you've always been constrained to the limitations of Dota 2, right? So mm. I think it's going to be cool to get your perspective on what it's been like, you know, to lead development or at least I, I don't know what yeah. you guys structure is on it but like all the things that come with making a game i've always found very interesting so i mean that is the very like i'm not going to get into specific but there's a lot of instances where like a lot of the mechanics are going to be very similar to ability arena aka dota but when you look at it from like a base level foundation level you're like do we really need this mechanic that's from like that's mm -hmm. not really needed if you really think because right. we have the choice of what we want to include and i think the main uh, goal for us is to keep the complexity of the game uh, for like competitive to be relatively high but I think the thing we do not want to continue from ability arena is the floor to also be high because for ability arena you have to know dota you have to know the spells right. like sure there's a few people that have gotten into it that did not know dota but that is like the vast minority so we yeah. want the floor to be lowered enough that a regular person can come in and just be able to play like and get familiar with the game without being overwhelmed. So that's, it's a challenge, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I love to do. So should be good. We'll let you guys know. Okay. That does it for this week's episode, Cinder. Thanks for joining us. I know that the time zone has changed for you and you're really jet lagged, but actually I was awake early today okay. and I was awake even earlier yesterday. Yesterday I was awake at shit o'clock. I got up at like three 30 in the morning. Oh yeah. I did see you on it. Like, <laughs> uh, really late my time. Like what the, what's he doing up? He must be super jet lagged playing at 3 AM. Like, yeah, I, I got up early. Good job. Cinderin. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> With that, bid you all adieu. Thanks for joining us everybody until next week. Sun's fan and Cinder signing out. Peace. Bye-bye. We say things that subscribe. Guitar does it again. <laughs>